Hello, and welcome to the monthly Megabyte Barometer podcast. I'm Ian Spence, founder and chairman of Megabyte. The idea of this podcast is to give my take on some of the recent trading, transaction and funding news, and to look forward to what this might all mean for the outlook. Megabyte subscribers can drill into the detail of all of this on our platform, which includes research and data on over 2,000 of the UK's leading TMT companies at megabyte.com. Over the next 20 minutes or so, I will cover three main areas, capital markets, corporate activity and valuations, and the trading outlook. As ever, there's a few areas I want to focus on within this. I'm going to talk again in a little more detail about the IPO market. I want to talk about valuations, particularly in the context of some of the recent IPO valuations. I want to focus again on uh, growth capital and how growth capital investors are focusing their money on next generation businesses. And I also want to talk in a bit more detail about Wendisco results. Some of you will know Wendisco is one of my favourite topics and they had their results out last week and they were a shocker. So I'll spend a bit of time talking about that. So looking first at markets, uh, I suppose unsurprisingly, given how strong markets have been over the last few months, it was inevitable inevitable we'd get a period of pullback. And indeed, September was just that. The Megabyte All Share, which is the uh, index we track of around 100 UK listed tech stocks, was down 5% on the month. The NASDAQ, uh, obviously tech heavy index, was down 6% in September. Um, and uh, unsurprisingly, the valuation, uh, average valuations across those indices sort of largely reflected that fall. In the UK, the overall valuation for the Megabyte All Share is running at just over 18 times current year EV EBITDAR. And within that, we're seeing software businesses trading at about 21 times and ICT services businesses trading on average at about 12 times. Interestingly, the NASDAQ is trading on uh, the average EV EBITDA valuation. Current year EV EBITDA valuation for the NASDAQ is about 21 times. So trading broadly in line with where the UK software sector is, which is kind of interesting. For reference, uh, the FTSE 250, which is a good proxy for the broader UK economy, was down 3.5% in September. Uh, So outperforming the technology sector, uh, which is not that surprising, actually. The tech sector is a high volatility sector, so it tends to outperform a rising market and underperform a falling market. So um, market backdrop, reasonably benign, slightly negative. Uh, On the outlook for the markets, um, I'm no market pundit, but uh, I think it seems fairly clear that the US election is is giving people the jitters. So we might see some some weakness or just general lack of direction in the market over the next few weeks ahead of the election. Turning to corporate activity, actually quite a quite a decent month for corporate activity in September. Um, As I think you know, we track all of the capital markets, M&A and private equity transactions in the UK tech sector, really B2B tech, which is where we focus. Total number of transactions on our database was 49 in September, only down very slightly from the 50 we recorded in September last year, which is really kind of interesting because we've seen the transaction number significantly lower in most months relative to the previous month um, in, in 2019. And so we're seeing a continuing improvement in volumes uh, in the in the in deal flow. And I'll just drill into the detail of the different areas we look at. So in M&A, we recorded 25 transactions in the month, down from 30 in uh, September last year. And interestingly, no mega deals. One of the things, if you listen to the, my podcast last month, you will have heard me talk about a number of kind of mega deals, much more run of the mill stuff or, you know, not run of the mill, but but. Um, 
back to more normal deal flow activity, I would say, in September. I think probably in terms of the deal volumes, 25 is still relatively low. Uh, we were seeing pre-COVID, uh, we were seeing pre-COVID more like 40 or 50 M&A transactions a month. So we're still quite well down on that, I think, but it is an improving picture. Uh, just to pull out a couple of the interesting deals this month, uh, Epic Games acquired Super Awesome, which was interesting in the AV space. Boxlight acquired Sahara. And Computer Center uh, in the infrastructure services space continues to build its US presence and acquired a business called Pivot in uh, September for 142 million sterling. So interesting to see them continuing to do that. Interesting data point, smaller deals, but I think one of the things that, that sort of caught my eye in September as, a, as an interesting um, anecdotal point about the recovery in volumes was Daisy uh, acquired two businesses in September. Smallish deals, but many of you will know Daisy's been a very acquisitive business over many years, a UK, large UK ICT services business that hasn't done any deals, hasn't completed any deals um, since uh, February actually this year. So to, the fact that Daisy's um, back on the M&A trail is, is another sort of point in the, that, that uh, suggests we're on a recovering trend with M&A activity. And we've already seen the likes of Access and Civica and others that have been serial acquirers getting back on the, the M&A horse, as it were. So uh, good to see that activity returning. Turning to private equity, uh, and by private equity, what I'm really talking about here is all private capital deals. So we're talking about mid-market private equity, uh, venture capital and growth capital deals. We recorded a total of 22 deals on our database in September. That's up from 18 deals uh, in the same period last year. You'll uh, you'll recognise from our earlier podcasts that this is a, a, a trend we've talked about a bit over the last, quite a bit over the last few months, that although M&A activity and mid-market private equity activity was severely impacted by, uh, by the COVID pandemic, is now recovering, but was very heavily impacted in the early days. Growth capital and venture capital deals seem to have just carried on almost regardless, which is which is great to see early stage companies still getting the funding they need. So 15 deals, growth capital deals on our database in, um, in, in September, up from 13 in September 2019. Uh, across the, the piece, really, a couple of deals I would I would pick out. Uh, one in the fiber space, Zoom, not the uh, not the video conferencing company Zoom, spelled Z Z O O M M, uh, run by uh, Matthew Hare, founded and run by Matthew Hare, who's had a lot of success in this part of the market over many years. Uh, big first big fundraise for that business, so that's good to see them. Uh, obviously, you know, fiber investment has been a huge area of, uh, of funding over the last few years. But my learned colleague, Mr. Cass, my business partner, and, and uh, who leads our telecoms research, tells me that uh, there is still. Lots of uh, lots of investment required to get us up to a level of critical mass in fibre. So it'd be interesting to see how how that market plays out over the coming years. And the other biggie in uh, in in September was SNCC, which is in the infrastructure software space. Two hundred million dollar raise for SNCC. Um, you know that's that's a business that develops infrastructure software, uh, helping businesses develop and deploy software in the cloud. Uh, you know, right on the money for as a next generation business, and that, and that sort of leads me on to the one of the themes I wanted to talk about t- uh, today is uh, touched on this last month about how the investment we're seeing, the growth capital investment we're seeing in UK tech is is in B two B is really increasingly focused on what I would describe as next generation technology. We describe it as chapter two uh, businesses. 
chapter two being the next, the current chapter of the cloud generation, whereas the first chapter was really all about the uh, move to SaaS and, and cloud in its various forms. We're now entering a new phase, we feel, called chapter two, which we call it chapter two, which is all about um, SaaS 2.0, next generation of networks, um, next generation of, of cloud, et cetera, and how we get business benefit from those. And it's just very interesting to look at how the VC community is deploying capital into these businesses. So Zoom and SNCC were great examples of that. Um, but we're also seeing in the data, in the software space, this real focus on data. I talked last uh, last month about uh, feature space and context are two really interesting businesses, data application businesses focused on uh, on um, largely on the fintech sector and, and on, on uh, preventing fraud in real time for banks and other financial services institutions. And we've seen another similar deal uh, this month or in September with Ripjar, which has raised $37 million, I think, from various uh, venture capital investors. And also, interestingly, Accenture, which which was also an investor in Quantexa and has an interesting model where it invests in these businesses and also uh, acts as a route to market for them. So that's an interesting model. So really kind of continuation of that theme we're seeing around uh, the, the kind of the, the merger, if you like, or the... the um, the, the, the data businesses, the data and cybersecurity as a kind of combined uh, use case and, and getting a lot of traction, both in terms of those businesses and funding. Another good month, actually, but another improving month for mid-market uh, PE activity, as I said earlier, which was, was heavily impacted by, uh, deal volumes were heavily impacted by the, the pandemic. We registered uh, a total of seven mid-market deals, two MBOs, sorry, uh, four MBOs, two secondary buyouts. Interesting, interestingly, a public to private, which is interesting. Um, we haven't seen one of those uh, really so far since the pandemic. I'd expected to see a lot more of those, but valuations have held up better than I expected in the quoted sector. So we haven't really seen them. Small one, uh, Clearstar, which is a business that's been struggling on AIM uh, for some time, actually, and has struggled even more under the, the pandemic and has been acquired by Hanover Investors, which some of you will know is a bit of a specialist at acquiring and sorting out uh, underperforming AIM businesses. So good news on the, uh, on, the, on the volume of deals coming through in mid-market private equity, continually, continuing improvement uh, there. Moving on to capital markets in the UK, no IPOs in our radar this month. Obviously, the Hutt Group was was a big IPO. We don't technically track that at Megabyte because it's a B2C business and it is really an online retailer. Um, but obviously, in our in our sphere of interest, and I'll talk more about IPOs, etc. in a second. But in terms of uh, secondary offerings on the capital markets, I touched last month on a return to normal, if you like, for UK listed businesses and using the capital markets for what they they traditionally have been used for in terms of uh, raising capital to do acquisitions and so on. And we saw that this month with Central Nick, which raised 30 million sterling to do a couple of acquisitions, um, which, you know, it's good to see, you know, that kind of level of activity. Obviously, overall uh, activity on the capital markets in terms of new issuance for secondary offerings is as much lower than it was in the early stages of the pandemic when uh, a lot of companies were raising money to shore up their balance sheets and provide uh, you know, war chests potentially for opportunities, post-COVID opportunities. We're seeing much less of that. We did in August, we did in September, and I don't really think we're going to see a lot more of that going forward unless the economic environment really struggles again. Uh, so um, relatively quiet on the UK capital markets for secondary offerings. So I wanted just to talk, uh, spend a little bit of time now talking about um, the uh, the IPO bubble, we might want to call it. I'm not sure it is, but but some people are describing it as that. Going back a couple of months or really fairly soon after the, the start of the pandemic when 
actually capital markets, particularly in the US, recovered very strongly. And obviously the Nasdaq now trading, even after a slightly dodgy month in September, still trading well ahead of, of its pre-COVID high, probably 15% above its pre-COVID high. And that's drawn in uh, so much interest from companies looking to, to list. And we've had recent IPOs in the US of the likes of Snowflake, Duck Creek, uh, Bentley Systems. Just, uh, just yesterday, um, Palantir and, uh, Palantir and um, Asana both uh, listed. Palantir popped 50%. On its uh, first day, Asana, I think, 30%. So these IPOs, despite a slightly soggier market, are really in demand. Uh, Palantir quite uh, controversial in many ways, as I touched on last last month, but obviously finding favour with investors despite the uh, the unusual um, the unusual uh, uh, shareholder structure, which I, I touched on last month, which is uh, is drawn some drawn some comment. And there's going to be a load more. Um, you know, we've got Datto, uh, DoorDash, Unity coming. Uh, also, chatter about UiPath in the RPA space coming. I chatted in the last few months about Dark Trace, whether that will come to London or New York is still open for discussion. My sense is actually it might be more likely to come to London. I very much hope so. We'll see. But uh, also, uh, the more smaller end, although not small by any means, but the smaller end of the market. Um, we are expectations that Bytes Group, which I talked about last month, which is a spin-out IT infrastructure spin-out from a larger South African group, is imminently coming to the market. Chatter also this month that Phonics Mobile in the mobile payment space is coming to the UK market. Uh, that's a business with 85 million of revenue and 5 million of EBITDA, so not an inconsiderable size business coming to the market. But I think probably you know one of the more interesting things for me, or probably the most interesting thing from a UK or European market perspective on this is, whether we will see more very large IPOs of what have historically been private unicorns. I hate the term unicorns, by the way, but but let's just use it for the purposes of this discussion. Obviously, the Hut Group would have fallen into that category, more of a retailer, online retailer than, than the kind of B2B tech, as I said earlier, that we, we're really interested in. But there's, there's, there's lots of others that could go that route. Klarna's, there's been chat about Klarna, the Swedish uh, the Swedish. Payments business uh, that's uh, that's potentially looking at an IPO would be a very substantial IPO, and others. So that's going to be the key thing for me, and it'll it'll be uh, it'll be a key determinant, I think, of uh, whether we see a recovery in 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 the tech sector, the listed tech sector, which has been under pressure for so long in the UK. Um, so that might give it a new an, a new lease of life, as it were, which would be awesome. I also said I'd talk a little bit about valuations and, and how they relate to you know the IPO valuations. Really, just to touch on Snowflake for a minute, which uh, some of you will have will have read about. It's a it's a data platform founded in 2012, very much a Chapter Two business, has um, been inc- sort of incredibly well received on the market. Has gone to a uh, a 70 billion dollar market cap, quite extraordinary. And is trading on something like, last time I looked, about 80, 85 times current year, so forward-looking revenue. So that's not 80, 85 times EBITDA, that's 80 to 85 times revenue. And a lot of people, and it's easy to think, you look at that and you think, oh, that's madness. But actually, I spent a bit of time this week looking at some of the chapter one businesses like um, Zero and Workday that came to the market on. Zero was once on 125 times revenue. Uh, Workday traded at over 40 times revenue in, in its early days on the market. And, and these businesses have both generated really good returns for their shareholders over the last 10 years. Now, I'm not even, even having been on those kind of valuations. Now, I'm not making a comment on Snowflake 
and whether it's going to be a good investment or not that's not for me to do all i'm saying is it it doesn't those kind of valuations aren't necessarily always as bonkers as they seem in the short term possibly more importantly what i think is that it it um it really uh, underlines this idea that there's a changing of the guard with valuations. The likes of Zero and Workday have, have got very used to being the cool kids and the latest players on the market. And it just it just seems to me very clear now that they're just not anymore. And there's a new generation of of, of, uh, of companies coming through. And that that the implications for that are are very significant, I think. And I'll talk more about about this in our conference in October. And I'll talk more about the conference and how you can get involved with that or register for that at the end of the podcast. So interesting scenario on valuations. Lastly, then, just to talk about trading and the trading outlook. There's been a lot of very interesting UK results uh, UK results over the last few weeks, as, as there always is in September, typically interim results. And the team at Megabyte has also been covering some really interesting private company results. Uh, all of those available to subscribers, the analysis on those results are available to our subscribers. So I don't intend to go into too much detail um, about those right now. Just to touch on a couple of areas, quite a few interesting fintech results uh, in the last few weeks. Um, my colleague Rob, Rob Warensho, who is on our, our research team, covers fintech for us, uh, has been writing about Acceptor and, and the CBPE portfolio. Really interesting, very strong set of results from them. In Teleflow, in the uh, in the personal finance technology space, uh, we're also covering results in TransferWise in September. And on the public sector, not public sector, on the public markets, uh, Alpha Financial Software which has had a bit of a torrid time since it listed in London a few years ago. Signs of life there with a, with a, with a, more, uh, a much better set of interims. Um, still some way to go, I think, but, uh, but definitely improvement. And also, uh, you will have heard me talk a lot about resilience over the last few months in this podcast, and we talk about it a lot in our research at Megabyte. And there's been lots of evidence of that, particularly in ICT services over the last few weeks, and across really all major parts of, of the ICT services landscape. Gamma Communications, NCC Group, KNOS, Computer Center in Telecoms, Cybersecurity Services, Digital Services, Infrastructure Services, all reporting robust performance, uh, reinforcing that view of a resilient performance from the tech sector. Also, just to touch on um, some of the really good, uh, really interesting company analysis that our guys have been publishing over the last few weeks on the likes of ANS Group, CloudReach, Wireless Logic, Agilitas, RedCentric, all businesses we've spent time with and written some detailed work on over the last month. So if you are um, if you are clever and bright enough to have a Megabyte subscription, uh, then you can get access to all of that. If you're if you don't yet have a Megabyte subscription, then you know what to do. Lastly, on results, I promise to talk about one of my favourite topics, when Disco. Some of you will know this is a uh, this is a business that listed uh, I think six years ago on the London market to much hype and has been. Uh, much talked about company in the infrastructure software space, um, but is a constant source of a combination of amusement and irritation to me that it performs so badly and yet still the shares uh, refuse, stubbornly refuse to go down. Um, and uh, when Disco issued its interim results uh, a couple of weeks ago, or last week, I think, and they were terrible. Revenues were down 40% to just $3.6 million, and it reported a $12 million EBITDA loss. So this is a business that has raised 125 million sterling uh, since it listed on the market and has managed so far to generate uh, monthly revenues of not much more than half a million dollars and is generating monthly losses of $2 million. Quite extraordinary. On a serious point though, uh, sorry, and before I go on to that, and yet it's still trading on 35 times run rate revenues. Uh, just I just don't get it. A um, couple of important points though to, 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 to be serious for a second. 
when Disco is taken, as I said, $125 million, that is capital that, in my view, could have gone to much more deserving causes. And we are living in a world where there is quite a lot of capital around, but there are always quality technology businesses that need more capital. So it's it's taking money away from more deserving cases, in my view. And also, I worry about just perceptually, you know, you've got the, the great and the good floating in, in the US market. Uh, and, and, and these amazing businesses in some cases, not in all cases, that are delivering huge returns and growth for their, for their shareholders. And when Disco is a, is a high profile business in the UK that I just think is, 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 is underperforming very badly and, and, is, is y- and yet the founder of the businesses all over the Sunday papers held up as some kind of guru. And I just think that's frankly slightly embarrassing for the UK tech sector and, uh, and is really not a good news story for AIM, which needs all the help it can get at the moment. Anyway, enough about Wendisco. I'm sure I'll be talking about that again in the future. So just before I wrap up, I want to just uh, mention again my our conference, which I've talked about over the last few months. We're very excited about this. This is an e-conference, an online conference of, for obvious reasons. Um, starting on the 13th of October, one session a day uh, for uh, three days over two weeks, if that makes sense. Total of six sessions on the 13th, 14th, 15th, 20th, 21st, 22nd of October. And we will be discussing in some detail this idea of, of the uh, how the generational shift in the use of technology has accelerated as a result of COVID and how companies are dealing with that uh, across all of the areas of the market we look at. We've got a um, um, fantastic uh, group of speakers um, in panel sessions, as well as Megabyte analysts giving uh, their view on various parts of the market, including me. Um, I thoroughly encourage you to, uh, to attend that if you have a chance and you can register your interest. It's free to attend. Um, at megabyte.com. So I very much hope that uh, many of you will be able to attend that or one or more of those sessions. So that's it from me. Thank you very much for listening and uh, stay safe.